Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series that we're doing called Do You Want to Get Well? Do You Want to Get Well? Um, this series, uh, if you've been coming, you know, I'll just do a quick review, is based on an encounter that Jesus has in John 5 with the man at the pool of Bethesda. This man is uh, not well at all, and he's been that way for a very long time, uh, and he sort of doesn't have any friends any longer. Um, I, I think, you know, he's sort of become invisible to the people around him. He's just been trapped in a bad way of living for a long time. Jesus sees him, which is so cool, engages him in conversation, and extends the kingdom of God to him with the question, do you want to get well? And I've said to you that this question is, a, is one of the great questions that's ever been asked. It's a question of such depth um, that, that we can ponder it for a long time in areas of our lives. It's not a surfacey question. You know, the, the surfacey answer to someone that's been sick for a long time when asked if they want to get well, of course I want to get well. But Jesus is really uh, probing the depths of that. And, and the, the, the question is more of, you know, are you willing to do what it takes to change? Will you trust in God? Will you, uh, will you be, would you be willing to do it his way instead of your way? Are you so settled in what you've become familiar with that even though you know it's not good, it's, it's, it's that you're unwilling to change it? See, that's the question. I've said that this question is really sort of the battleground that we spend our lives in. Um, because the, the ultimate battle is, are we going to do it God's way or our way in this life? Um, and, and, you know, when we choose to do it our way, we're, we're going the evil one's way by default. And so it's, it's the battleground that happens. And Jesus, we looked in John 10.10, 10, has come to give us life, uh, full and abundant life, now and forever life. The evil one in that same passage has come to steal that life away. And so in our discussion to this point, we've been talking about those elements, that the enemy is trying to steal life from us, Jesus is giving us life. Um, there's a lot of tools at our disposal when we follow after the Lord to overcome all the tricks of the evil one, and yet um, he has a lot of tricks and traps, that he's sort of, um, that's what he has left in his tool bag. The evil one's been defeated at the, at the cross, but he's still trying to steal life away. And so he uses lies, schemes, deceptions, and, and so we've been trying to um, talk about the, the weapons that he uses so that we understand that we have things to come against every one of those weapons. And we talked about how he uses fear, how he uses worry, how he uses busyness and distractions, and then we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks how he uses guilt and shame, and uh, uh, next week we'll, we'll look at how he uses pride to get us in trouble. But today, I want to look at a story together that sort of illuminates all these points, I think, very well. And uh, I, I think it's a great story. It's an Old Testament story about Elijah and um, the encounter that Elijah has with the false prophets of Baal and uh, how he overwhelms them in 1 Kings chapter 18, and then we'll look in, in chapter 19 together. Um, before we get there, you know, I like to do a little thing between the intro and the thing just to just to sort of change up the feel. of, And there's this guy who walks into this snack bar and he asks the guy behind the counter, he says, look, uh, will you give me a free soda if I show you something amazing? And the, the guy behind the counter agrees. So, so the guy pulls out this hamster who begins dancing and singing Amazing Grace. That is amazing, says the counter guy and gives the guy a free Coke. 
Well, if I show you something else amazing, would you give me a free burger as well? And the guy behind the counter agrees. So the, the guy pulls out a small piano and a hamster and a, and a frog. And now the hamster plays the piano while the frog sings, what a friend we have in Jesus. The guy behind the counter is completely wowed and gives him a burger. There's a man in a suit who's been there who's been watching the entire thing. And he offers to buy the frog for $1,000, which the man agrees to. And then he gives him the money and he walks out. Are you crazy? The guy behind the counter asked him. You could have made a fortune off that frog. And the guy says, can you keep a secret? The counter guy says, yeah. The hamster's a ventriloquist. Things are not always as they seem. That was the point I wanted to make with that. That was actually a joke with a point. And... Uh, And so in our story, you're going to see things aren't always as they seem later on. Okay, scripture reading. This is a fairly big passage that I want to read to you tonight, so hang with me um, or follow along in your Bibles. 1 Kings 18, verses 16 through 40. It's a great uh, great story here about what happens with Elijah and uh, uh, his encounter with the false prophets of Baal. Israel, at this point in their history, has drifted way off course. They have an evil king and an evil queen, uh, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. They've taken the nation just down the tubes. They, they don't worship God at all anymore. It's a huge issue. Um, Elijah is a prophet at the time. He thinks he's the only one left that's even got a, a notion about who God is and what God's doing. And, and so this encounter happens. Uh, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So Elijah, who's the, the prophet kind of left, and Ahab, the evil king, get together. Ahab's been trying to kill Elijah for a while. Hasn't worked out. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab, Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long? I've got a fly in my pulpit and that's not going to play well on television. Sorry, it left. Thank you. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he's God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response, no one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. 
With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, so that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, uh, if you can, try and imagine the scene. It's Elijah against the 450 false prophets of Baal. Um, he, he arranges these bulls on altars. And, uh, they, you know, he says, you call down fire and see if Baal can do it. And he can't. And then he says, okay, watch this. And he not only gets everything set up, he douses it in water um, three times. So it's just this big wet mess. And then he prays and boom, fire comes. And, and uh, torches off the, the sacrifice and the people go, oh, it's God. God is God. God is, that's him. And, and they turn to him and he has the 450 false prophets put to death. So um, it's a good day for Elijah. I mean, at this point now, think about it, you know, uh, God is glorified. The enemy is shown for who he is. All of the false prophets are dealt with. Uh, if you read a little further in the chapter, you find out Elijah also prays for rain right over this, and a severe drought is ended. You know, I think Elijah was feeling, you know, like pretty good, like doing a little flexing at that point. Hi, I'm Elijah. Yeah, that was cool, right? Um, so it's a good, good day. But then something happens, and this is where we'll pick up the story in the next chapter, 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And see, right after the rain comes, Elijah goes running to, he wants to see the reaction of Jezebel when Ahab tells him what's going on. That's, that's the deal. He runs back. He's pretty excited about, he's had a good day. Ahab tells Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, little g-gods, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid. And ran for his life. So, Elijah has just seen God moving in amazing ways against incredible odds. And now one threat from an evil queen based on the lies of the false gods that Elijah had just seen so foundly defeated by the Lord. And all of a sudden, Elijah is afraid and he takes off running for his life. He believes the life-stealing lies of the enemy. We've been talking about that in our series. The enemy wants to lie to you, and Elijah buys into the life-stealing lies of the enemy. 1 Kings 19, 3 and 4. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. You know, isn't that... Isn't, I think the whole encounter is fascinating. Everything's good in Elijah's life. It's a great day. And then all of a sudden, everything seems 
terrible. And I think maybe all of us can relate to that feeling before. We're doing okay, and then all of a sudden we get a phone call, or we hear a news story, or read something that's happening, and all of a sudden everything seems overwhelming. Re- remember, we've been talking about how our adversary wants to steal life from us. He uses tricks, schemes, deceptions, and lies. His tools are fear, worry, distraction, guilt, shame, and pride, just to list a few. And, and watch how all these tricks come into play in this story. As our story starts here in, in, in chapter 19, um, I think maybe after such an amazing time in the Lord, in this stand against the false prophets, um, Elijah might be dealing with a little bit of pride. Just maybe. You know, that happens sometimes when things are really good. You might start thinking that, that you know, maybe you've got a little more to do with it than, than God. You, you, you just have to be careful because you can get tricked and trapped. And, and I think as he goes running back to see um, Jezebel's reaction when Ahab tells him what's going on, he's expecting her, after this whole thing, to sort of crumble and fold because he's wiped out all of, her, all of her, the false prophets. And yet, um, she does just the opposite. And in effect, what Jezebel says with her threat is, Elijah, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And her reaction causes her to move into fear, worry, distraction, guilt, and shame. And I think that question, the idea of that question, who do you think you are, is often used by the enemy and is successful in getting us off track if we're not really in a good spot, if we're not in sort of a balanced place in our lives. When we're out of balance, we start to forget who we are in Christ. See, when when you're in a good spot and you're in, in good balance, um, if the enemy tries to throw that trick at you, who do you think you are? You can say, you know, I, I'm a broken mess, but I'm in Christ. I know where I stand in Christ. And I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be worried. I don't need to get distracted. I have, I have all sorts of things at my disposal, so I don't have to do that. And see, here, this, there's this picture of a defeated enemy uh, that we just saw, but he still wants to steal life away wherever he can. He, he wants to keep us out of balance, so we buy into his life-stealing lies. And so I want to look at the rest of the story quickly in 19 and just talk about how Elijah gets some balance back. So first, let's talk about the short-term. First point in your notes about short-term. Um, when we're out of balance, how do we get it back? First Kings 19, 5 and 6. Elijah, then he lay down under the tree and he fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he laid down again. Um, in the short term, oftentimes all that you really need to get some balance back is, and this is little point A, is a snack and a nap. It's one of my favorite little theologies. I've taught on it a lot. A lot of times when you're just, when you f- we're feeling good and all of a sudden something happens and you're not and you're all messed up again, oftentimes what you need to get back on track is a snack and a nap and there's the story that backs that up. You get a snack, you get a nap, and you wake up and things seem good again. You're back in balance where you need to be. And so that's always a good thing. That's the short term. But in the long term, we need to be taking some steps in order to try and stay in balance so we stop listening to the life-stealing lies of the evil one. So point number two is this, the long term. Let's talk about the long term. The journey that we're on is too much for us in our own strength. And there's five things that I want to talk about that we need to do to help stay balanced and focused in the Lord so that we're not listening to the lies of the evil one. The, the first little point A is this. It's all about eating well. 
And I, and I write that because um, getting our food right, believe it or not, is very important in living a balanced life. 1 Kings 19.7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time to us, get up and eat, the journey is too much for you. And so um, we often buy in in this area to life-stealing lies like this. Trust me as one who bought this lie for a long time. If one Big Mac is good, two Big Macs are better. Um, we get tricked out of balance in this area a lot. And, and it impacts, and the thing about each one of these areas is they impact every other area in life. And if, we, if we're out of balance, we end up getting all out of balance in everything. And, and so um, all I want to say about that is this, and we're actually going to deal with these issues in depth on Sunday nights coming up here in the future, not on Sunday mornings, is um, that we just need to be aware of what we're eating. I think most people aren't aware any longer of what they eat. They don't think about it. It just, we've gotten so quick and everything is so fast and um, we're just, we're, we're eating without thinking about it at all and it's, it's, it's causing us to get out of balance. And, and uh, you know, I still, I still love a Big Mac, but one is enough. Um, and, and, but I spent most of my adult life eating two or three. Most of you know that. Um, and and uh, cause, like, I believed it. If one's good, two's better. And I always think it's funny, you know, because I'd, I'd get two sandwiches and I'd get a small fry and, and, a, and a Diet Coke. And then it was all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people understand that. Yeah. Anyway, eating well, extremely important. Second thing that's really important in living a balanced life, it, this would be is moving well. Um, we need to get some activity in our lives. We need to get our feet moving. First Kings 19.8, strengthened by the food, getting that in balance. He travels 40 days and 40 nights until he reaches Horeb, the mountain of God. We've already seen this story that he ran a bunch. Um, it's important that we move. Um, we were created to move. We were designed to move. Culturally now, we've got issues because so many things take us out of having to move. And we, we, we look at those as being good things and they're not necessarily good things. There's a lot of life-stealing lies in this area too, like I don't have time to move, I'm too tired to move, I'm too old to move, it might hurt, it might, but that's all part of the deal. But that area, again, something that needs to be in balance and, and uh, we'll, we'll dig into that too on Sunday nights. But, but you know, today, all I want to say about that is um, we've got to try and find a way to be active every day for like at least 30 minutes. We just got to find something that we can do. Got to walk more. We got to do something um, that, that we can do. Everybody's different. Something maybe we can't walk. We swim. Um, we have a lot of opportunities. You got to do something to have some activity in your life every day. Point C. Um, resting well. Extremely important in living a balanced life. We have to get the proper rest. Um, the Bible talks a lot about rest, Sabbath rest, all sorts of things, but a physical nightly rest is also important. First Kings 19.9, um, there he went into a cave and spent the night. Elijah got a good night's rest. He had a lot going on, a lot going, but he still needed to get sleep. The life-stealing lie um, that the enemy has used so successfully is that sleep is a luxury and not a priority. And um, it's, it's not that way. Uh, God designed you. He knows what you need, and part of what you need is rest. And he made you that way. And it has to be in balance. But we sacrifice it for other things that aren't as important in, in life. And so we need to be aware of that too. D, living well. 1 Kings 19, 9 and 10. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? You replied, 
I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So Elijah really has been living well for the Lord. He's been zealous for the Lord. But because he's a little out of balance here, um, he's begun to think that he's the only one left. And he isn't. Um, God lets him know that there's 7,000 that are still walking with God that he has put away. And, and God's even going to give him somebody to help him in the ministry. And he's going to give him Elisha uh, just in a little while. And so living well uh, realizes that we're in a battle with a very real enemy, but we're not alone in the battle. We have Jesus. We've talked about this, the Holy Spirit, prayer, the Bible, worship, and the people of God. That's what we've talked about so far in this series to help us. And so this idea of living well is what this series has been about up to this point. And the life-stealing lies that we've seen are, are those of fear and worry and, and busyness and guilt and shame and pride. And, and so you know, we need to be aware of what's going on and not start to think, you know, that there's no one to help us and there's nowhere to turn to, um, but because there is, there's, there's plenty of help. Point E, this is about praying well. Praying well. You need to connect with God. First Kings 19 11 through 13. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper, and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? See, what we need to learn to do is to listen for the whisper. Real life, now and forever life, full and abundant life is found in listening to the whisper, not listening to the life-stealing lies of the enemy. And we need to have these five areas of our lives in balance. Each one impacts the other. Eating well, moving well, resting well, living well. And most importantly, and if you take nothing else from this, that, that's great if you take this one thing with you. Praying well. I want to encourage you to listen for the whisper. Spend time in the book. We've talked about that. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in worship. Start there, and he will help you get these other areas in balance. He absolutely will. What I want to do in the coming weeks um, is we're going to start a sort of sub-series on Sunday evenings, not, not tomorrow night and not the week after that. August 11th will be the first one. And I'm going to call that sub-series The Disciples Well. And I, I want to encourage you, uh, if you would like to dig into some of these areas, to come and join me for a season. I think we'll, we'll run, you know, 16 weeks or something to the end of the year uh, at 6.30. And I want to talk about these areas in depth and how they fit together and what they look like. And to get very, very practical in it. We're, we're going to call it the disciples well. And, and, uh, and, and so it ties in with what we've been talking about and we're going we're gonna to talk next on Sunday mornings about praying well, but I want to take all five areas apart on Sunday evenings and really look at each one biblically and how they apply to us so that we can get our lives in balance in order that we're more tuned into the whisper of the Lord than the life-stealing lies of the evil one. That's, that's what it's all about because that's where we're going to find life. 
And so if you can, you know, put that on your calendar. And if you could take some Sunday evenings at 6.30, starting August 11th, not yet, but in, in a couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to come and be a part. I, I think it's going to be, uh, be very helpful for a lot of us to sort of get together and connect in a group and, and move into some of these areas and discussions together in the process. So um, be praying about that, and I'd love to have you be a part of that uh, if you can. But for today, um, please, uh, work on that last one, praying well. Take time with God. Make that your priority. He'll take care of the rest of the stuff if we'll make that a priority in our lives. And he'll bring everything else uh, into the, the balance that it needs to be so that we're listening for the whisper instead of listening to the life-stealing lies of the enemy. Amen? Amen. If you're watching on uh, television or video, thank you so much for doing that. We know how valuable your time is. And uh, if you need prayer, you can go to our website. You can give us a call. We'd be happy to pray for you. If you're ever in Big Pine, you should come and visit us. We'd love to have you here.